So it is really great to be here tonight, and I'm very impressed with your parish under the leadership um, of Father Skillman and your associate pastor and the deacons you have here. I'm very edified to see so many confessions. I think that says something about the quality of parish life. I was stationed at Holy Cross Parish, and Monsignor there always stressed the importance of confession very much. And then again, when I was at the Cathedral Parish, Monsignor Joseph Pins. So it is truly a joy to be here tonight with all of you. The topic for tonight's uh, presentation is, I do only what I see the Father doing, or embracing the present moment as a manifestation of God's will. So tonight we're going to talk about how do we find the Lord in our daily life. Embracing the present moment as a manifestation of God's will is a way of meeting God in every situation. My journey in embracing the will of God as a manifestation of his presence goes back to my days in college and the seminary. My older brother preceded me, and I was so happy that he went because that opened the door for me to go. And I admired his leadership very much. He opened the way for me. And when I entered those seminary doors, after thinking for three years I had not gotten a chance, I said, Lord, I'm here, and you got two choices. One is to throw me out. If not, you're stuck with ordaining me. So since he failed to throw me out, he was stuck with ordaining me. I was deeply at peace, and every year got better. However, after four years, my older brother came to me one day, Francis, and told me he was leaving the seminary. I was crushed. So I went to my pastor, Father Faust, and I told him, what did Francis find out this past year that I might find out next year? And it caused him to leave. If he's not good enough, I don't stand a chance. He just laughed, and I said, it's no laughing matter. <laughs> he pointed out that Francis simply discovered that the priesthood was not for him. It's not that he wasn't good enough, but he had explored his vocation and found out that the priesthood was not for him. He then gave me a bit of wisdom that has been so profoundly helpful for the rest of my life. What you're doing is every morning you get up and you ask yourself the question, am I good enough to be a priest? And you do that for the next seven years. No one can do that. What the Lord wants you to do is to see the present moment as a manifestation of his will. And to breathe in the present moment as you breathe in the air. So when you rise in the morning, simply say, Lord, 
I don't know what will happen between now and noontime, but I'm simply going to embrace the present moment as a manifestation of your will. And I think you and I can handle this till noon. And we did. <laughs> and then afternoon, the same thing for the evening. I got to the evening and I looked back and I said to myself, wow, this morning in prayer, I prepared myself for crucifixion, but it didn't happen. <laughs> this teaching is based on Father Kassad's book, Abandonment to Divine Providence. It is truly a classic work and has strengthened me again and again. I will also rely very heavily on a student of Father Kassad, and that is Father Wilfred Sinison, who wrote two books, Into Your Hands and The Holy Spirit of Divine Love. As we study the life of Jesus, we see that he practiced this every day. In the Gospel of John, again and again, he tells us, I do only what I see the Father doing. The Father is working, and I am working. In the garden, he prayed, Father, if it's possible, remove this chalice from me, but not my will, but thy, thy will be done. In the Gospel of Mark, he healed Peter's mother-in-law, and then after sundown, they brought people into the courtyard, filled the courtyard, and he prayed until everyone was healed, and he drove out many demons. The next morning, he rose early to go out and find a place to pray. Peter came running after him and said, the people are looking for you. Why don't you come back and let them thank you? But Jesus in prayer had found another agenda. The Father wants me to go to neighboring towns and villages to proclaim the good news there also. Life circumstances never took Jesus by surprise. He embraced whatever happened as a manifestation of God's will. It's amazing how drastically the meaning of a situation changes the moment we embrace it as a manifestation of God's will. We can start with simple things. Once in college, between classes, we had five minutes between classes, Father Bruns asked me to go down to the carpenter shop and get something for him. A minute down, minute back, I can do that. I got down, pulled out my keys, and I lent them out, and the person didn't return them. There was a momentary flash of anger that I couldn't get in that door, and suddenly I just started laughing. It's God's will that that door stay closed and I'm not about to open it. <laughs> what a difference that made. When I came up to tell Father Bruns, he just laughed. He said, oh, you can do it next week sometime. If I hadn't done that, I would have felt somehow or another I didn't live up to someone else's expectations. Let's apply this to real life situations. Catholic parents raised their children in the faith, 
and are often crushed when one or more of their children drop out of the faith. And they're very, very dejected. I tell them, you can do more from your bedroom in prayer than you can on social media and on the cell phone. God loves the deep prayer you have, the deep love you have for your, God appreciates the deep love you have for your children. But he loves your children more than you do. The best thing you can do is to pray for them and not get on their case, but be available to them whenever they need you. There is no other power that has a, no other person that has the power of intercession as parents do for their children. As I was writing this paragraph, a lady called me. She was very, very angry about her children <laughs> not going to church. So I spoke with her on the phone. I said, get off their case and watch Jesus, what he wants to do, and pray for her son. Isn't it just amazing? God interrupts his own work to get more of his own work done. Sometimes the circumstances in our lives overwhelm us with grief. Perhaps our father was very strict and rigid, or perhaps he sexually abused us, or did not prevent others from sexually abusing us. Then I am trapped in anger with the inability to forgive. Perhaps my mother abandoned me emotionally and really never had time for me. Perhaps my, child, my spouse cheated on me and then divorced me. Perhaps a business partner of mine stole from business and now I am in bankruptcy court struggling to keep the family together. Where is God in all of this? Or where was he when these troubles were going on? Our image of God has so much to say about how we respond to heartaches and tragedies. If our image of God is that he is a chintzy God who is overly strict and always punishing us, then we really end up in despair. Yet our God is so rich in his resourcefulness that he wishes us to grow in spite of hardships. Take the life of Jesus, for example. The Pharisees who opposed Jesus did not want him to succeed. As Father Stinson says, yet they were the very ones who by resisting and killing Jesus led him to his goal. His goal was our salvation. Father Stinson goes on to say, God makes use of evil in such a superb way and with such skill that the result is better than if there had never been any, been any evil in the first place. I'll reread that. God makes use of evil in such a superb way that, and with such skill 
that the result is better than if there had never been any evil in the first place. St. Paul tells us in Romans, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Embracing the present moment allows God to become active in our life. God uses the people around us, our family members, our neighbors, our business associates, our friends, to help us make breakthroughs in holiness. Our life is really a school of spirituality in which God, every moment of the day, is hard at work transforming us, bringing us closer to him and to each other. Our families are such a school of spirituality. Parents teach their children how to be good children, and children teach their parents how to be loving parents. In that sense, a family is similar to a monastery. I want to quote some words from John of the Cross in his precautions. He exhorts brothers joining the community to regard all in the community as God's artisans with the task of farming him. <laughs> Do you ever think of that? Your children have been instructed on how to farm you. <laughs> he goes on to say, the first precaution is to understand that you have come to the monastery so that all may fashion you and try you. Thus, to free yourself from imperfections and disturbances that can be engendered by the mannerisms and attitudes of the religious and draw profit from every occurrence, you should think that everyone in that monastery is an artist in the hands of God. present there in order to prove you and try you. Some parents have more skilled children than others in this way. That some will fashion you with words, others by deeds, and others with thoughts against you. And that in all of this, you must strive to be submissive as is this statue, a craftsman who molds it, to the artist who paints it, to the gilder who embellishes it. Finally, if you fail to observe this precaution, you will not know how to overcome your sensitiveness and feelings, nor will you get along well in the community with the religious, nor attain a holy peace 
not free of yourself from any stumbling blocks and evil. I grew up as one of 15 children on a farm. Our parents taught us how to get along with each other and how to work together and how to forgive each other. They farmed us. However, we returned the favor. <laughs> One week before my mother died, it was my privilege to stay with her. And I said, Mom, you don't know how grateful you and Dad should be for us 15 children who did everything we could to make the two of you saints. <laughs> she agreed with me. <laughs> Every individual in the family is gifted to help us in this formation process. Certainly prayer, the family rosary, and the sacraments are vital resources to help us get along. One of the things that really works in this area where we have deep hurts is intercessory prayer for those who have hurt us. If we can visualize ourselves as being beloved children of the Father, it goes so far to help us replace the negative images we have of ourselves. So, for example, in the 14th chapter of John, Jesus is talking to his disciples, desperately trying to let them know how much the Father and he loved them. He knows that within 24 hours, he will be dead. And so he says to them, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And so when I take that to prayer, I say, Jesus, are you saying to me that you and the Father have been together from all eternity? And now, you love me as much as your Father loves you? That's right. Are you saying to me that my Heavenly Father loves me as much as he loves you. That's right. So then I turn to the Father and I say, Father, I like your attitude toward me a lot better than I like my own. <laughs> Why don't you download your image into me? And if you do that, it'll wipe out the lies that I, that I developed along the way. And the more I can open my heart and see myself as a beloved son of the Father, the less other people's opinions will affect me. I mean, if we're that loved by the Father, who cares if somebody doesn't like the way we comb our hair? <laughs> if our Heavenly Father loves us even when we make mistakes, then what right do we have to condemn ourselves for our weaknesses? He's got so much to offer us. If only we open our hearts and receive it. So, when individuals, including children, hurt us, we can turn against them in anger. And if we do, there's an anger inside of us that turns against ourself. So it's crippling. It's very crippling. When somebody hurts us, 
We might be right in being angry at the evil, but we are wrong when we equate them as being evil. They are created in the image of the Father, the same as I am. Therefore, I need to respect them even though they're weakness, even though they're engaged in weakness. The best thing I can do is turn to Jesus and ask him to separate them from the evil that has afflicted them. And when I do that, the anger and self-hatred vanishes immediately. I don't have to continue to condemn myself. That is such a powerful way of coming into freedom. Why? Because we agree with Jesus and the Father about Jesus' mercy and how all people are called to come into the kingdom. It also causes us to develop a great respect for others because the Father really loves them. And I would do wise to agree with the Father. We also remember that everything that happens to us is done at least with the permissive will of God. And if I stay with God through all of this, I'll be better off after God has healed me of my hurt than I was before. Remember when David was fleeing his son Absalom, went up Mount Olive, and his bodyguard told David, they're throwing rocks at you. Why don't you let me go over and lop off his head? It won't take two strokes. <laughs> and David said, what if God has given him permission to do that? What if God has given him permission to do that? Just remembering that our God is with us in each of these circumstances brings so much power with us. If God is with me, I do not have to be afraid. Whatever happens will ultimately be for my betterment. These trials can be such a powerful force in forming our character. God knows how self-centered we are and how egotistic we are. He provides us relief by using others to help, help us shed our misconceptions of ourselves. As we grow in this awareness of embracing the present moment as a manifestation of God's will, it enables us peacefully to face issues that are beyond my control. For example, sometimes when people come to me for prayer, I listen to their story and I get a sense of what I think the Lord wants me to do. And I keep listening and I find out, no, that wasn't the answer. And then I see another possible way. And that continues on till finally I reach the point and say to myself, Lord, I don't have a clue what, 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 what he needs done, 
but you do. So it's your job, not mine. Trusting that God is present in our presence with others always makes the problem easy. And the case I just mentioned to you, as I listened to him again and again and again, I was giving him the opportunity to answer his own questions. <laughs> Isn't God good? Sometimes the memory of our past becomes a painful burden for us. Perhaps we have some suppressed memories that stifle our emotional life. These are great opportunities for us to allow God to reveal to us how he was present when these memories were formed. Here is a very powerful quote, even though lengthy, from Father Stinson. It is characteristic of the spirit to place everything in a larger context. He reveals that the Father was present in all circumstances that you experience in your life. What looked so terrible and caused so much pain was in reality not so bad. Isaiah tells us, in all their afflictions, he was present, and the angel of his presence saved them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Citizen continues, God carried you when you thought you were faltering. He surrounded you with love when you thought you were abandoned. The Spirit helps you see the whole of reality, not just a small fragment. It is possible that you were not welcome when you were born into this cold world. But God welcomed you before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Perhaps you were harassed at school or, at, or, or you're simply so sensitive and vulnerable that what is insignificant to others caused a deep hurt to you. But now, in light of the Holy Spirit, you understand that you were never really alone. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be there. And through the rivers, they shall not overcome you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burnt. The flames will not consume you. Fear not, I am with you. End of quote from scripture in Father Tennyson. My whole purpose tonight was to help you to embrace the present moment as a manifestation of God's will. To embrace the present moment, to breathe it in. And as you do, it changes your life. It changes circumstances. God created us in goodness. He created us and he sustains us in the graces Christ merit for us on the cross. To Paul, he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for strength is made perfect in weakness. God begins in my life when I humble myself and allow him to come in and participate in my life. 
So often in the past, all of you, I'm sure you've done this too, I'm going to make myself holy if it kills me. (laughs) And the harder we try, the more angry we get. Because we're dealing with the impossible. It's so much more fun to say, Jesus, would you come in? I got a lot of room for you. (laughs) You can use a lot of your talents and a lot of your skills in my heart. I know so. When things are not going according to my plan or my expectation, I simply say, Lord, I hope you're having fun because I'm not. (laughs) That is when I praise the Lord anyway, and suddenly God's will comes to birth in my life. A couple of examples. One day, everything that I'd planned went wrong. Wanting to see my parents, so I decided that I would wait till All Saints Day when I wasn't teaching. I was free in the parish. But we ended up having a parish council meeting, and I was there. Okay, I'll go afterwards. And the personnel director said, I want to talk to you afterwards, after this meeting. I said, what about what? About being transferred. I said, I don't want to be transferred. I said, that doesn't make any difference. I want to talk to you about being transferred. So he did. And I thought, oh my goodness. Forget going to my parents. I want to do something else that's worthwhile. So I went to visit my sister-in-law, who was in the hospital. They thought she might have lung cancer. And uh, I was newly in the life and the spirit. So I prayed as intensely as I could, and she was less than impressed. <laughs> what else can go wrong? On the way home, waiting for light to change, there was a Nova in front of me that had backed apparently into a brick wall, or concrete wall, and the bumper was kinked, and so was the trunk. But if you follow the trunk wound up, at the top of that, there was a bumper sticker, praise the Lord anyway. (laughs) Another example, I'll be very brief. One Saturday morning, I had my day planned so I could come back and hear confessions at 4 o'clock. The first thing was going to confession. Second thing was pick up some tape recorders before noon. Third was to go out to the seminary, and there's a fellow there who had tools that I wanted to use to work on my car. So I headed down the highway. It was a... It was a foggy, rainy, misty, miserable November day. I was going down Highway 70, and suddenly, in the defroster, fog came up. That's supposed to be a defroster, not the froster. (laughs) Fog came up, and I couldn't see. And I remember that, praise the Lord, anyway. I rolled down the window, stuck my head out, praise you, Jesus, hallelujah, glory be to your name. I could see that where, I, where I was going, so I wouldn't run into a ditch or a, um, a concrete wall. And tractor trailer came by, splashed me with water, hallelujah, glory be to your name. An escape ramp, 10th Street exit, was there. Found a parking lot, and suddenly I thought to myself, wow, I got the Bible here, and the fourth and fifth chapter of the book of Revelation 
Myriads and myriads of angels and saints are praising God, and I'm going to join them doing that. And I did. And I had fun. I said, Lord, I know you're going to show me what I need to do. So along comes a fellow. There There were no cell phones at that time. There were no phone booths. There were no garages open downtown. So a fellow comes along in coveralls. I thought, he's a mechanic, I'll ask him. He said, could you spare a dime? I said, oh, you want some of the old wine? Here's the new wine. I handed him the Bible. He said, no, thank you. Went on. So that wasn't it. But as I continued to praise God, suddenly I became very quiet inside. It became obvious to me, I can fix it myself. I got a toolbox. One hose runs into the heater and the other one runs out. Disconnected them, shoved the screwdriver into the into the hose, tightened it up, and I was on my way. Got the confession, got the tape recorders, came back, and as I parked into the slot, the four o'clock chimes went off. If that had not happened, I'd have had to hitchhike home, rent a tow truck, get a tow truck to tow my car to West County, where I could fix it, as it was, I drove it myself, dropped it off on the way to school, picked it up afterwards. When we embrace the present moment as a manifestation of God's will and praise him even when everything else goes wrong, we're standing in the right relationship with God. And God doesn't give us everything we want. He gives us everything we need. So I encourage you to... Think, these, think about these thoughts and to begin practicing simply at the beginning of the day, saying, Lord, today I'm going to embrace whatever comes along as a manifestation of your will. And he gives us the strength to embrace it. And that strength itself is God's divine power. So, I've given you a very simple teaching And I thank you for listening and not throwing tomatoes at me. May God bless you all.